Alrighty. So I spent two uh, two months across the hall, and I felt that that was a, an atmosphere of delinquency and to some extent. <laughs> so like, I've been following the notes of James, and I miss kind of being part of the fellowship here in the book of James. So our, our topic today is uh, related to James chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, speaking against one another. This is a kind of a challenging thing to have before us, and I think we have a lot to learn from this particular segment. As usual, uh, let's go ahead and begin with my mouse. Is my mouse by reviewing last week? And I looked at. I wasn't here to participate in this, nor did I listen to the recording. But nevertheless, I looked at Andrew's handout, and this was chapter four, verses five through ten. So God's design and plan and conflicts. And I'm going to summarize this very simplistically. And Andrew did a great job, as always, teaching this aspect of the word. So I'm going to say the first bullet point is by the work and power of the Holy Spirit, we're to understand and make grace God's greatest gift. And therefore, when we're humble, we're recipients of that. When we're not humble, what's the atmosphere? What's the source of lack of humility? The old man. Oh, absolutely. And he continues to exist, doesn't he? But when we are uh, in in the atmosphere of humility which God has created us in to be led by the Holy Spirit, that ultimately the power of the Holy Spirit works to make God's grace very effective in our lives. And Andrew, you can add to this if you want to after I make one more point. And then there's a series of commands which uh, Andrew very appropriately addresses. Aorist imperative, that means it's commanded we Pay attention to what's here, but Eris means it's a lifestyle. And I, I like that interpretation very much about the Eris tense in terms of what it is and what it's not. So these imperatives relate to submit, resist, draw near, cleanse, purify, be miserable, come back to that one, mourn, weep, be turned to and humble yourself. So these are all imperatives. And uh, the final kind of sub bullet point here is that Aren't these also demonstrating the work of the power of the Holy Spirit? I mean, and again, we're all new creations in Christ Jesus, but the, the flesh keeps showing up off and on. And these are not meritorious when, in fact, the old man is getting buffed up to do things that seem to relate to these imperatives. This is the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And that's, I think, the growth curve that we're, we're all on, isn't it? having the Holy Spirit continue to work in our lives to make these imperatives based on the great grace of God's Holy Spirit working in us. So anyway, just aside, Andrew, you want to make any other uh, scenario comments about your teaching? No, that was a good summation. Nice and very succinct. Um, it's just, and it, it seems to all generate from verse 1 through 3 or 1 through 2 about lust. So it begins... In James? Yeah. Um, and that creates jealousies and uh, internally and then with other people. And it's all... It, and it all develops into all uh, just a bunch of conflicts. But yeah, you're right. It's the Holy Spirit that has to So just to... Uh Build on what Andrew just said. Let's read verses 1 and 2. I'm going to come back to verse 1 later in today's lesson. Verse 1, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from the desires of pleasure that war in your members? You lust and you do have. You murder and covet and, and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have it because you do not ask. So, I mean, those, that's the beginning of this chapter. So, 
All right, let's proceed then. Um, you know, we all have two verses today, and I can understand always why Roger has this partition the way it does. So let, let's read verses uh, 11 and 12. I'm going to read from, uh, I think this is the New King, King James Version. Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. There's one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge one another? Verse 12 will come to that. All right, so um, yeah. it's, James, you got to kind of pause a little bit. What, what the heck's he talking about the law for? I mean, aren't we on a platform of grace here? That we live under we're going to come back to that theme here in a second i love what constable said this is probably the best summary <laughs> that i could ever come up with myself now andrew may have uh, roger or someone else may have come up with a better one uh or roy but constable says quote having dealt with the source of interpersonal and interpersonal conflicts that believers in particular and all people generally experience James dealt next with a different aspect of the same problem. He did so to motivate his readers further to forsake the philosophy of the world that puts itself first. Criticizing others is dangerous, not only because it is a form of selfishness, but also, and here I like this, because the critic exalts himself even over God when he criticizes. I mean, that final phrase, I think, is really the meaning of this whole section. We could just stop there and dismiss the class at this point. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, anyway, I, I think Constable really hits the nail on the head. Any thoughts about what Constable says here? When we criticize one another, we put ourselves above God. Now, again, the flesh is good at criticizing. <laughs> but I'm going to come back to this uh, as to who we're criticizing. Uh, and so let's partition this first. Or do not speak, Greek term, evil of one another, brethren. And ultimately, the imperative continues here. But here, the tense is present. That means right now. This is not Eris tense. Right now, quit criticizing your brethren. So ultimately, the Greek translation indicates to, to speak evil of one another is to speak evil or against somebody else. It's to incriminate, actually, or to even slander. I mean, these are pretty strong terms. So we have to think about the source of such kind of behavior. And First Peter 2.12 reads, Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may be made by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. That's the Gentile nation speaking evil against us. And that happens all the time, doesn't it? Thoughts there. Well, I think it, it goes back to <clears throat> what Hal always talked about, that you may be the only Bible anyone ever reads because of how you react and interact. And, and when they see you speaking evil of your brethren, you know, they just say, well, they're just like the world. They're like everybody else. What's different right, about right them? Like what Macaulay says here, the grammatical construction here views this as a practice going on and forbids its continuance. 
So this kind of yeah. ongoing behavior, yeah. I think, Andrew pointed out, first yeah. one kind of sets the stage yeah. for the rest of the Yeah, chapter. this is an ongoing problem that he's addressing here. They're, mm -hmm. You got your bike on? Yeah. Uh, I think it's on now. Okay, good. It's, yeah. they're, they're continually to do this, and, and that's why James is commenting on it. They shouldn't be doing that. You know, and There's many other verses you'll probably cover about speaking against uh, only God is able to judge properly any any believer. In judging other believers, we're, we're, take, we're taking his place, and that's, right. that's where we're headed, I'm sure. All right, good. That raises kind of the next question. Who is one another? It's one another of the same kind. Thanks, Roy. Very you're, excellent. You go to the head of the class here. <laughs> so it's the brethren. So my next question is, he who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother. And then what about this? Do you think that this means that we can't speak evil of those in the world? I maybe should have phrased this a little bit differently. Do you think this is restricted to our behavior with a brother? I mean, evil is evil, is it not? Of all things, what we should be doing is speaking the truth in love. There you go. Okay. All right. So, but we can certainly be critical of the world system and everything it represents in terms of the evil nature of the, hu the human nature of the world system for what it represents, right? Yes, we really can't expect any more of the old sin nature, can we? No, we all... That's where the world is. Mm -hmm. Okay, good way, Jane. Isn't what James saying here is speaking evil of an individual individuals you know I, and i think that's 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 very broad you know whether it's the brethren or of the world like you said you can speak evil of the world system but not yeah but not of each person not of the person you know well that's why i said a moment ago, i probably yeah. should have rephrased this right. rather than saying of those of those who you know manifest the world system or, or not the person clearly God would have all come to know him, would they not? I mean, so we I think we have to be careful there. So that should have been reworded. But all right. One of the things that helps me here, Bob, is to remember that our Lord has died for each of us, believers or unbelievers. He loves us that much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, Paul Beers is uh, going home to be with the Lord. Uh you know, forever in terms of his earthly existence said, I'm the greatest among all sinners, right? Mm -hmm. So we all have to, that's an atmosphere of humility for sure, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So that love is there and extended to all. Unfortunately, the world system manifests it in a very different way than the brethren do. So I think this is directed to the brethren, but I was just thinking of expanding this to everyone we see who crosses our paths. Hard to do sometimes is to see evil deeds and evil things, and ultimately we address that to an individual, but nevertheless. One of the things that we need to remember is it's the Holy Spirit, God himself, living in us. If his life is in control of this physical body, then we're going to manifest that kind <laughs> of, of Uh, you know, Paul reflects on this a little bit, maybe a little out of context, but I think it has some meaning here. So 1 Corinthians 5, 9 through 12, I wrote unto you an epistle not to company with fornicators, yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world or with the covetous or exertioners 
or with idolaters, should then must ye needs go out of the world. But now I have written unto you not to keep company, and if any man uh, that was called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or uh, an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an exorcerer, with such a one do not eat. For what I do, I to do to judge them also that are without. Do not judge them that are without or within. So anyway, so the concept here, I think, in there is kind of relates to the body of Christ to some extent, but also relates to the world systems that's outside the brethren. So, so I think Paul kind of separates the world system and their deeds from the brethren, and there with the brethren, there's a fair amount of information about the role of the elders in dealing with people who are continually falling into this paradigm of behavior. Hey, Bob? Yes, sir. What about as a question for maybe clarification, other believers who don't believe the same way we do, um, you know, they've, they've latched on to maybe errors in doctrine or or something that they've picked up from family history. Um, yeah. One of the things that I think we do wrestle there is being kind to yeah. fellow members of Christ, right? Yes, and that behavior is uh, often present in some of us or all of us at times. So, uh, is that is that a warning to us, Roy? Then, well, I think so. Mm -hmm. But we all seek to rightly divide the word of truth, do we not? And when, in fact, we sense that there is perhaps error in interpretation, we're not critical of the individual; we're critical of wrong doctrine. I don't, I don't know. That's. One of the things that we can count on is the Holy Spirit is in them as well, and He is teaching each of us. So if we teach the truth or we correct with truth in love, in gentleness, the Holy Spirit's going to take over. Or, or not take over. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in terms of the behavior of the individual with whom we're sharing. Other thoughts? I, I, think, yeah. we can, I think we can count on Him taking over. I mean, He's going to... He's going to correct. Okay, I don't know exactly how. Oh, 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 Roy, I'm, I'm just thinking of my own experience, my own, own family members, and we have various family members that are believers that have different doctrines than I have. And I, we go to visit, we go to church with them, and they sometimes ask, "Well, Roger, what do you think about that?" And I say, "Well, I don't. I think you missed the mark there, brother or sister." And they, but they, another year passes and they're still in the same spot they were a year before. So things don't, from my perspective, and I'm, I'm just throwing this out for discussion, we don't see necessarily a lot of brothers and sisters, even our family, change much. It doesn't seem like that happens. They've adopted a certain doctrine or belief and we may have some influence and I, I pray that I do have an influence, but many times it doesn't seem to change much. Well, a couple of points related to this conversation. Number one, the Greek term relates to speaking evil or against, to incriminate or to slander. And that takes right. a very pejorative type right. of attitude. Right. Yeah. Right. Time right. through the joy of the Lord to share what we think is the right interpretation is not in the error. I mean, we, that's thought we believe that spirit led, I trust. And then, then, uh, ultimately, I think, secondly, uh, you know, I think Miles Stanford used to say, I think this comes from Miles, it may have come from someone else, it's sometimes harder to share with a believer about the truths of the identification of life. 
And I think, you know, there's, there's a couple of critical features to what we believe. Number one is positional truth. Or, or there's no condemnation that those are in Christ Jesus. We're positionally secure at his right hand. Secondly is the sin nature never changes. And that's not taught well in many Bible churches. And, 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 and ultimately, it's the love of God through the power of the Holy Spirit that leads us in a new life in Christ Jesus. I mean, those are three basic principles. And often, those are an error there. So we have to share and love these things, but ultimately the Holy Spirit is his job to change behavior. And we want to avoid the elitism that sometimes I think we sense here in terms of we have a corner on the truth. We may be an error too and not really understand it at times. So, so remind ourselves that we're, we're saved by grace and humility is the way we manifest that. And ultimately we're trusting the Holy Spirit to rightly divide the word of truth and share with others. Stops. Uh, it's like Roy said, you need to speak the truth in love and there you go. leave the results up to God. That's right. I see I see no change in my own brother, but uh I still love him and I, I expect God will uh, take him where he wants to go. But I didn't finish Miles' statement. I mean, Miles said it's often more difficult to share mm -hmm. rightly the word of God with other believers than it is to convert somebody who's unsaved to be self-saved. I mean, that, again, I'm paraphrasing, but that's a kind of opinion he's had. And I think there's some truth to that. Um, not that we all experientially have been on that platform, but nevertheless. Yeah, we don't we don't want to offend and, and, and bring division, right? right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But we gather here for a reason, right, don't we? Yes. Okay. All right, let's go ahead. Um, okay. All right, let me get on this slide here. All right, how should we interpret judging or crying our brother? So the simple interpretation of crying is the subject to censure. So that's a pretty strong term. And, you know, Romans 2.1 uses this in an interesting way. Therefore, thou art inexcusable, man, whosoever thou art that judges, for wherein thou judges another, thou condemns itself, for thou that judges does the same thing. I said, is that true? Do you think we ultimately are being critical of others when, in fact, we make the same mistake or have the same flaw? Well, we see that. We see that in the world a lot. People that yell the loudest about certain things, they they are guilty of what they're yelling the loudest about. It's, just, it's almost remarkable. You think, well, how can that be? How can they yell that loud about it when they're doing the same thing? And, and what should we call that? Don't you want to call that self-righteousness? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I mean, self-righteousness is a, something that Lord Jesus Christ hated most about the Pharisees. Right? I mean, woe are you, <laughs> you scribes and Pharisees. Anyway, so what are the... Hey, Bob. Yeah, all right, go ahead. Who, who is who is the right judge? Well, we'll come to that. You're reading, you're reading ahead here, Roy. <laughs> well, we know who the right judge is, and ultimately that's going to be verse 12. So let's let's leave the definite answer to verse 12. So what are the consequences of such judgment? What do you think? Well, the Lord had a, uh, a discussion about that judge not lest you be judged, right? He already has spoken, our Savior has already spoken about that issue, about mm -hmm. judging others, lest you be judged. So mm -hmm. you, you're on, you're on uh, a thin ice, <laughs> so to speak. Hey, Bob? Yes. The verse says, 
thou condemnest thyself. Well, who's, who's doing the condemnation? Mm -hmm. Well, the verse also says, who when he speaks evil, the law judges the law. Yeah. I mean, in a sense, that puts us in a position that is far from what the truth is about the lawgiver, the Lord, I mean, God himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, yeah. Yeah, and Roy, and Roy did you know that uh, is a definite article not there for this law? It's not, but we're going to come to that okay, in good. just a second. But that's okay. important here. Yeah, it is. So, but if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. And so that opens up kind of a new door. Why does James mention the law, nomos, and which law is this? So, in fact, you're reading ahead again. Okay, so, sorry. No, that's good. This is good. Well, you know, I, I kind of did a fairly detailed study of this, and I turned to other sources. But in Strong's, it says, nomos is a great term of the Mosaic law, and referring according to the context, either to the volume of the law or its contents, and can be preceded by the article or without the article. Yeah, Here in James, there's no article, but it doesn't mean it's not the Mosaic law. Mm -hmm. So, in fact, this is the law that God gave the nation of Israel that James is referring to. And that's the problem with James, isn't it? We constantly see him kind of referring back to a paradigm of behavior for all of us that no longer is judgmental. We're living by grace, not by law. So we can be critical of James. But, you know, ultimately <laughs> what's, what's cited here is Leviticus 19, 15 through 18. So I'm going to read this from my handout here. You shall not, you shall do no injustice in judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor, nor honor the person of the mighty, in righteousness, you shall judge your neighbor. Now, that's interesting. Isn't it? In righteousness, you should judge your neighbor. You shall not go about as a talebearer among your people, nor shall you take a stand against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord, and you shall not hate your brother in your heart. You shall surely rebuke your neighbor and not bear sin because of him. And you shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself, I am the Lord. So remember, what's what's the Lord Jesus Christ's great great commandment? Well, you, you know, you should love your neighbor as yourself. Is that his commandment? No, no. <laughs> Thank you. No, that's good. What what is his commandment to the church? Love one another as I have loved you. Very good. And how has he loved us? He's given his life for us. <laughs> yeah, through through crucifixion and resurrection and the new life he gives us in his own person. So, Well, Bob, do you think, uh, I had a note from previous times, but you think he could be referring back? He's talked about law before, back in 2.12, chapter 2 and verse 12, about okay. the, the law of liberty. Could he be talking about that, you think? Okay, maybe I'm getting, I'm sorry, Bob. <laughs> I'm waiting. Absolutely. You guys, this is not a sermon in there. This okay. is an interaction. And I love it when people just volunteer thoughts. Because, I mean, the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know. I mean, I mean, I say that in science. I think the same thing's true about the Lord. Right, but although the law is holy, are we not under the law but grace? Well, let's look at some verses that I think speak to this. I can't tell whether I should use my glasses or not, so I'm just picking this up. I can read this better, and I 
<laughs> turn to one page too many. Okay, James 2.8, if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scriptures, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And that's quoting again Leviticus 19, 18, right. which I just read. So that's in James chapter 2, verse 8. Galatians 5, 13, for you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Isn't that a beautiful verse that relates to what we're talking about here? Through love. Well, you should like that a lot. Philippians 2, 3, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in loveliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. And Romans 2.13, I'm sorry, I'm not advancing those, are I? So Romans 2.13 is, For not the hearers of the law are just in the sight of God, but the doers of the law will be justified. So I think all these verses, from mostly from Paul, really reflect a, a, a legal you know, barrier that exists before us that now ultimately the love of the Lord Jesus Christ and the new creation we are in him, I'm paraphrasing, is what, what we are to be living. <laughs> so don't we find interesting that this whole thing follows James addressing sins of the tongue? <laughs> right. I mean, in, a, in effect, that's what we're talking about. You can think all you want, but okay. what the tongue does is ultimately incredibly capable of evil. And that this evil speaking, verse 11, stems from the flesh and serves as the basis for James 4.1, Andrew, that we read at the beginning today. Hey, Bob. Yes, sir. Just an overview thought here. When we speak evil of others and become a judge, aren't we taking God's part? Aren't we becoming ourselves the judge of others, taking God's judgment upon ourselves? Just wait a couple minutes here, going. Yeah, absolutely. There's no, there's no question about that. We are, and in fact, that's what Constable said in that last phrase. When we judge others, we're replacing his ultimate judgment in ourselves, which is is wrong. Now that doesn't. If, if you replace the word law here with legalism, mm -hmm. and just read it that way, it makes a lot more sense, I think, to our understanding of Scripture that God is the one who is the ultimate judge. Right. So verse 4, I'm to read it again. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? I, I think I think the human nature is ultimately desires of pleasure. Having a good night's rest, having a nice home, a car that we can put gas in, a decent <laughs> job or retirement plan. I mean, these are all kind of pleasurable things in human existence. We all look for this. How many don't have insurance here? I'm not going to go there. <laughs> uh, you know, the pleasure of this world is something that flesh seeks after. That doesn't mean it's all wrong. And I, I, you know, Jason Fawcett Brown, which I kind of like, it, they say this is the last mention of the law in the New Testament. Hmm. Alfred rightly takes the law to be the old moral law applied in its comprehensive virtual fullness by Christ. The law of liberty. And that's been addressed already by James. I thought that was good. Which is, that law of liberty is grace, right? Exactly. It is in James one twenty five. <laughs> but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues it and is not a uh, forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed at what he does. Okay. I mean, James himself addressed this law of liberty earlier on in chapter 1. All right, we're done with verse 11. Any other profound insights here or thoughts? Andrew, your thoughts? 
Oh, no. no I, I think everyone covered it. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a lot of it. It is, yeah. Because it's, it's, it's great to have him here. Isn't it? <laughs> it is. <laughs> All right, let's go into verse 12, which we've kind of in part touched base with already. There's one lawgiver who is able to save and and, uh, and to destroy. Who are you to judge one another? I mean, that really hits it on the head. That right. There is one lawgiver. And, you know, I think the interlinear Greek, and I, by the way, I in my Bible downloads, I have an ILG, which is not accurate to the original Greek. It's, it's often really, I, I don't know what, what the problem is. Yeah. But if you turn to uh, the Blue Letter Bible, which I use routinely, the ILG is not the ILG per word. So I said, let's go to the, the, the original iteration that's in the interlinear Greek. And it reads something like this. One is lawgiver and judge. The practice is one being able to save and destroy Thou send who art the one judging the thy neighbor. So that's what, I mean, the language is not very grammatically satisfactory to us, but that says more <laughs> than I think what's in the New King James Version. I didn't look at the New American Standard or other text, so you have to accept that as it is. So, lawgiver, it's interesting. Nomo, which is, remember what we identified as Mosaic law, and theetes, here is the only New Testament use of this word, and comes from the frequently used term from the Mosaic Law of Nomos. And so, ultimately, the, the, theetes, or thetes, comes from the Greek, which means to put in place or to set up. I thought maybe this was a, a, a you know, a, another term for theos, or God himself, but it's not. It's, it's the act of putting something in place, or setting it up. So there's one the lawgiver, and we'll go on to see, uh, who is able to save and destroy. Well, okay. Yeah. Well, he's got on the throne where he belongs. Right. So this is a present participle, is able, and it's connected to two aorist active infinitives, both save and destroy. So how should we interpret the aorist active infinitive, verbs save and destroy? Aorist tense. Andrew. Well, you say, it's correct, is it not to say to save and to destroy? You put a T-O in front of each. Yeah, that's the, I think you're right. Well, that's the participle, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, like, uh, I went yeah. to public school, so I'm <laughs> the expert on it. But, and then the aorist is just a kind of... You could argue, you know, the, I like to think of the heiress as, uh, as, as an event, which is, you know, uh, you think of there's an event when a man is saved, and unfortunately there's an event when he is destroyed in a sense, I guess you could say, possibly. Okay. Kind of hard to fathom that, but in a sense, people that, they go to the white, great white throne judgment, that will be an event where they're, I'm not sure destroyed is the right word, but. Well, active, how should we interpret active? Yeah. This is God, the, the law that lawgiver. Well, it, it, it's an event uh, to save and destroy. Uh, and it's going to happen, right? At, uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Last, he's he's about his business doing this. And infinitive means what? Judgment. What's the infinitive? <laughs> it, it's fact. It's fact. Okay. So this, yeah. this clearly... Right, close God. He, he's a judge. He, you know, he, he's a judge that will determine that. He's the only one that can 
and save or destroy. And so the question comes up, who else can this be but God himself? I mean, it doesn't say God, but who else could be the ultimate lawgiver who can save and destroy at his own will? Mm -hmm. So, Roy, just to, uh, you know, drill down on the point you made earlier. Yeah, so, and one of the things here about that word destroy is uh, is in front of it, which is a positional thing, separate from. Yeah. Boy, you think about that. Yeah, and actually, Roy, it would be safe to say that that destroys more separation than right. annihilation, because yeah. we know that man isn't annihilated. Every man lives yeah. forever, so, either with God or without God. Well, do you think this really should be ultimate judgment then, or could this be active now? <laughs> so the, 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 the well, one of the things that we, we say over and over again is when we sin, we've broken fellowship. There you go. Mm -hmm. um, uh, yes, we were involved with it, but he is offended at that point. Well, let's reflect to Paul's relating, you know, wood, hay, and stubble, right? Is that God's destroying the right. weeds of wood, hay, and stubble that we believers are all part in, unfortunately, at times? Prodigal so, son is a good example. Okay, good. So this is often turns to verse, I've seen multiple commentators turn to verse uh, 39, chapter 32 of Deuteronomy, which says, Now see that even I am he, and there is no God besides me. I kill and I make alive, I wound and I heal, nor is there any who could deliver from my hand. How if you were a non-believer and you were critical of, of Christianity, and you went to this verse in the Bible that says God kills? I mean, <laughs> see, that's what we mean by rightly dividing the word of truth, right? I mean, you can't simply pull this out and say God kills. So, I mean, the fires in Hawaii are terrible, but has God done that? He hasn't killed those people. I mean, it's just, anyway. All right. And who are you to judge another, the verse says. Notice that this is not the brethren, but neighbors. <laughs> Another? Right. Another. Okay. Yeah. Again, back, uh, I looked at my hand up and didn't show you that. Okay, back to Constable. Again, a lot of wisdom here, I think. James was speaking of judging other people without divine authorization to do so. Obviously, God has delegated the responsibilities of judging some civil acts to human government. <clears throat> we'll pause there. So, some church conduct to elders and to the behavior of children to their parents. Judging our equals is a common sport, <laughs> and it is inappropriate for mere mortals. We are all responsible to God ultimately, and must leave the judgment of his servants up to Him. Pretty wise. I mean, a constable, I think, has really yeah. hit the nail on the head here. I'm going to close with a verse. Or several verses that I'm really truncating by the first verse and the end of Romans 14, 1, 13. Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. And there are a lot of verses in there I'm just not going to read. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. Now, the stomach block, of course, is covered in Romans 14 in great detail, but uh, I think that the, the theme that is com completely articulated by Paul in this section of Romans is not to judge one another. Excellent.
Mm-hmm. Amen. Any uh, final thoughts or comments here? And I think I'm on for next week. Is that yes, correct? That's right. You said you, you, you were concerned. Where is that going? I mean, yeah, who knows where? Actually, I'm speaking next week, so I was, you know, it's nice to only have one thing to do. No, oh, for sure. <laughs> so, no, no further thoughts or comments. Let's close in prayer. Father, there's much to learn from the word, and sometimes we get a little bit, uh, you know, distracted by the world system around us, but also that old nature tends to get ripened up at times to make our position really in, inadequately in a judgmental fashion. So we pray that the Holy Spirit would lead us to, to rightly divide the word truth and share that graciously and with love to others. So we're thankful for the teaching of James. We're not under law, but under grace, but the implementation of grace in our lives is Holy Spirit dependent and brings glory to you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.